0: I look to the cross I claim. of its suffering I do drink of its work I do see for wrong and my Savior both bruised and crushed Showed that God is love. this gift undeserved life have I been given through Christ crucified Love I am lost for words so lost in love
1: To all, in the name of God our Father, who is the creator of the heavens and the earth, in the name of God the Son, the Savior, the Redeemer of this world, and God the Holy Spirit, the one who brings us into faith and keeps us in that one true faith. As we gather tonight, we do uh, continue the journey. If you recall, we left off on Sunday with Jesus entering into Jerusalem on that first Palm Sunday, that Passion Sunday. And now we find him in the upper room. He is getting ready to celebrate the Passover meal that has been celebrated for generations. And I bring you now to Luke chapter 22. And when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after he had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. And I'm going to stop at this point in the reading and say, Here we have the words of institution, the words of Jesus that we use for communion, and and for many of you, you're, you're feeling like, oh, I really miss that. Well, my prayer is that soon, soon we'll be able to have that again, but God is faithful. He is with us. His grace still abounds in his word and in his presence in our life, so don't ever doubt that, but now as we kind of turn the corner, we're going to see an experience that happened through the rest of the story. And here's a time for you and me to consider our sinfulness. I mean, here's what happened. Right after Jesus said those words, he said, But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. And again, talking about Judas. And then he goes a little bit further. Um, Later on, he says, A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. So here's this very intimate Passover meal And there's a couple people bickering about who is better than who. Then you go a little bit further, and you have Jesus saying to Peter, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. We go a little bit further. He is now at the Mount of Olives, and he is praying. It says, And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And then we go to the Gospel of Mark, we jump over there, and we find that when the betrayal took place, and when the guards took Jesus, it says, all left him and fled. Quite a series of events. And it would be easy for us to look at that and think, you know, 2,000 years ago, shame on all of them for what they just did. But if we're honest and if we're truthful, this is our story too. We deny, we, be, we betray, uh, we get caught up in pride and ego. We run away from him. That's our sinful nature, that's our human condition, and that's exactly what Jesus came to address as a babe of Bethlehem and now as this suffering servant. He came with a purpose, and it was to seek to save the lost, And yes, all of us are lost in our sin. All of us, if left on our own, we would be lost forever. But Jesus did it all. He suffered on a cross and he was placed into the tomb and then on the third day he rose again from the dead. And the result of all of that, we have been washed clean. We have now a victory and we get to live in that victory every single breath we have. May God give us such a faith to believe and to live in this victory. In the name of Jesus. Amen.
2: I see There's nothing to
1: pray. O good and gracious God, giver of every good and perfect gift, we pause and we remember your son Jesus and his passion that he has for this world, his passion that he has for me and for all of us that moved him to go into Jerusalem, to go to that upper room, to willingly give his life up to be the sacrifice for sin. Lord, this day and each day, teach us the significance and the meaning and the power of that kind of love. And be with us now as we look into your word, the scriptures, as we want to learn from you about who you are and how you love. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, yes, I am sitting at a table, and you're going to hear the table theme um, several times throughout this sermon. And uh, let's go right away to the, the setting for Monday, Thursday, about 2,000 years ago. Jesus and his disciples, they were gathering together, much like they did for many generations, revolving around the Passover that the children of Israel We're celebrating. If you recall, the children of Israel were held in slavery, in bondage by Pharaoh, uh, by Egypt, and and that slavery was um, degrading. I mean, they were truly slaves and they were treated poorly. God sends a servant, his name is Moses, and he announces to Pharaoh, let my people go, as he is the spokesperson of God. Well, Pharaoh said no. And uh, then through the course of the ten plagues, finally the last plague, God got Pharaoh's attention. And the last plague had to do with the firstborn male child that was going to be killed, unless the blood of the lamb would be um, put over the the top of the doors. Then this angel of death would pass over and they would be spared. And as a result of that, Pharaoh finally said, children of Israel, you get out of here, you go, and the rest is history. And it is. It's history. God's history. God saving his people from slavery and just uh, horrific conditions and brought them through, ultimately, to the Promised Land. And his presence and love continued. So we have the story of Jesus being gathered together, and here is uh, just a picture. Who knows what it was really like? But here is Jesus gathered together with those closest to him in that upper room, remembering what God had done. And no doubt, a Jewish tradition uh, is often a, a time of just telling the story over and over and over again. And so here they are, telling that story. But as I think about the life of Christ, in fact, if you go into the, the, the Gospel of Luke, There are ten times in which Jesus sits at a table or eats with others. Two of those times after his resurrection. But there were eight other times before. And what I find to be remarkable is that this Jesus would sit with the respectable and the unrespectable. Maybe even the despicable He would sit with the Pharisees, and then he would sit with what the Scriptures would say, tax collectors and sinners. And what we find in that action of Jesus is that Jesus will eat with anybody. Jesus will sit down and talk and interact and live life with anybody. Yes. Um, A tax collector yeah. Uh, a woman that doesn't have quite a good reputation, yes. Jesus demonstrated that he loved all. And so that brings us to today. If that's true 2,000 years ago, it is true today. And here's just a picture. Maybe, maybe this is your house. Maybe this is your table. Um, looks like there's a lot of joy around um, as people are sitting around the table with smiles and laughter Maybe this is your table, or maybe your table's a little different. Maybe you sit around a table, and there's some fighting that goes on. Maybe it's between mom and dad, or maybe it's between child and parent, but there's there's some arguments. There's painful things that are spoken. Or maybe you're at a table where there are some parents that are absent, whether it's physically absent, like they're not there, or maybe emotionally absent as they're disconnected from family. I was thinking about some other tables. How about an operating table? When life is hanging at the balance. Or how about a conference table? You're sitting there with your boss, your superiors, and they're now going to tell you that, well, because of COVID-19, because of all this stuff going on, we don't need you anymore. Maybe you're sitting at a dining room table and you're reading a document that was handed to you at work. And maybe it's the words that ultimately say, I don't love you anymore, I don't want to be married to you anymore. Some pretty heavy things. Well, or maybe how about on the light side of things? How about a picnic table, sitting, just playfully enjoying life? Or how about a soccer table, ping pong table, pool table? I mean, those kind of things where there's recreation going on and we're just having lots of fun. How about a bar top table? A sewing table? A table saw? I mean, I was thinking of all the different kinds of tables. And here's the question. What kind of tables does Jesus desire to be at? And I'm going to say this. There is not a table that he doesn't desire to be sitting at, especially with people that he loves. In fact, if you look at the the next picture, superimposed is, is this Jesus figure kind of plopped into this table. See, his desire is to be with people. That's been his heartbeat from the very beginning. That's what moved him to say, okay, I'll put flesh on, I'll come down to this world, and I'll live amongst people. Because I want to love them. I want to show them what the love of God looks like and feels like. And how that love of God can change a life. Well, this Jesus and What he brings is something that is so different and so beautiful. Uh, The next slide I like to read, and it comes from John. He says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And I think of all the things that we have run after and invested in that has been now stripped away because of this COVID-19. I mean, so many things that we put lots of energy into, and now we can't. And we're starting, hopefully, I am, to see what's really important in life. And I think that's what Jesus is trying to teach his disciples 2,000 years ago, but also his disciples today. Jesus brings something that this world cannot offer. Just like with Moses and with manna that spoils, Jesus is different. He brings something that is eternal. And I was thinking about how do we describe who this Jesus is? How do we describe what did he do? I mean, the scriptures are chocked full of it. One story after another where God is displaying and describing the magnitude of his love. Well, I thought about those I am statements that we find in the Gospel of John. And let me just put up the the picture there and just take a look at that. We have Jesus in the center, but then we have those descriptions of I am the Son of Man. I am the way and the truth and the life. I am the true vine. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the gate for the sheep. And then he uses that phrase. He says, I am the bread of life. What a descriptive phrase for those of us today who, um, I don't know about you, I had a meal, maybe even two today. I mean, food is part of life. And yet Jesus interjects and says, well, wait a minute, I am the bread of life. And again, going back to John, he says, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, It is the Father who gives you the true bread from heaven, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. And he describes it again, I am the bread, living bread, that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And we're seeing that unfolding now. As Jesus is getting closer and closer to the cross, where he is going to give up his life. And then he takes it up again on the third days. We never forget about that. But he stayed the course. And he brings us life like nothing else. Who doesn't want that? Well, as I was thinking of that, I have a, an illustration, if I would. And uh, I have it here. And uh, When I was a child... I was a little strange. And now I know you're thinking, what do you mean when you were a child? I still am a child. But one of the things that I used to do is for breakfast, I would have frosted flakes. Not healthy for you, but I I would have frosted flakes. And what I would do is I would sit there, and I would sit there and I would go like this. And I would be eating and reading the back of the cereal box. Just like this. And I'm going to tell you one of the reasons why. I didn't want people watching me eat. I didn't want to get in a conversation. I wanted to have some kind of boundary or barrier between me and other people. So I would do this. And even though I read it yesterday, I'm going to read it again. Well, guess what? My dad, who uh, had a rather strange sense of humor, said, you know, is that really good enough? Do you want something different? So he provided for me a box. And I would put my plate in here. This only happened maybe one or two times because I felt, even I felt it was a little strange. But I would go into here and I would not look at anybody. I did not want to see anybody. And I was thinking, is this how we are spiritually? It's what happened with Adam and Eve, right? When sin came into the world, they went to hide from God. They didn't want to be by him. But what did we find about the nature of God? He is in love with his creation. He pursues us with an everlasting love. So he goes and finds Adam and Eve, and he addresses their sin, but he gives them the promise that he's going to take care of sin. And that's why this last verse from Revelation chapter 2, he says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Some of you know my story. Um, All the way through my senior year in high school, I wanted nothing to do with God. I would run as far away and as fast as I could away from him. But he kept pursuing me. He loved me. And when I finally, finally it sunk in and that Holy Spirit opened up my mind, my heart, my life, this became real. And I hope for you, this Holy Week, you realize this kind of love that God has for us. He is pursuing you with an everlasting love. And if you're sitting here today and you are just wondering, where is God in the midst of this COVID-19? Where is God in the midst of financial uncertainty? Where is God in the midst of strained relationships? Where is God in the midst of health crises? He's right there. He says he is. He desires to come and be with us. And the truth is, And I find it especially meaningful during Holy Week. We are never alone. He is with us. And he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. So experience that. Tonight with Maundy Thursday. Tomorrow with Good Friday. And just know that He, as he was going through this, you and me, we were on his heart. And when he said those words on the cross, he was thinking of you and me. When he said, it is finished, the payment was made. So may God's grace be with you and me. May we be reminded through Scripture and by the power of the Spirit that God will never leave us, that he is with us all the time. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you. pray. Oh, good and gracious God, we come before you and we are thankful that your love for us beats strongly. We thank you that your love moved you to send your son to take care of this this thing called sin. And Lord, as we come before you in this journey of Holy Week, uh, we experience the highs and the lows, the emotional movement from the joy of Palm Sunday to the somberness and the seriousness of this night, Monday Thursday. We thank you for all the gifts you give to us. And I ask, Lord, that you would prepare us for this movement to Good Friday. That you would stir within us a a deeper understanding of all that took place on that cross. All that was accomplished because of your son, Jesus. And Lord, I pray that Good Friday and then Easter would be together reminding us that you took on sin and you've given us victory so that as we live on this earth, we do so as people who have hope. We do so as people who know that we'll never be alone and you will give us a peace that passes all human understanding, a peace that this world cannot give and then a joy that will continue to point us to you. Lord, we do pray for all those who are having any trial or trouble. We pray for those with physical illnesses, with surgeries that are coming soon, we pray for those that are um, dealing with uncertain illnesses. Lord, we pray for those who are struggling financially. Uh, they're not quite sure what's going to happen and how long this COVID nineteen is going to dramatically affect uh, the money coming in. Lord, we especially pray for those who, who feel alone. And for whatever reason, we know, Lord, that ultimately the reason we feel alone is this, this enemy that attacks us and our, our own sinful nature. So we pray that by the power of your Son, Jesus, you would come and lift our spirits and lift up our eyes to you, because that's where our help comes from. And then when we see you, Lord, may we experience an overwhelming sense of peace, of shalom. So thank you again that we can gather together, uh, not in a room, in a building, but wherever we are. We thank you that your spirit unites us we thank you for your presence here and everywhere. So, Father, thank you again for listening to these prayers. We lift them all up to you confidently and boldly. And we do so all in the name of Jesus, who also taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace, now and forever. Amen. Again, thank you for joining us today. Uh, Tomorrow night, we gather together at 7 o'clock, as we remember those Good Friday um, experiences and all that Christ has done for us. And then on Sunday, we gather together at 10.30 for our live stream But of course, all of these will be um, on demand on our website. God bless you.
0: I am a poor wayfaring stranger, traveling through. no sickness, no toil or danger in that bright world to which I clouds will gather round me. I know my way is rough and steep, yet beauteous fields lie just before me. Where God's redeemed, their vigils keep. Going there to see my mother, she said she'd meet me when I come.